The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Today on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, the boys will uncover some of the Dark Continent's deepest secrets and they'll shed some light on its rich hunting heritage. They'll talk in depth about the Black Rhino auction controversy. Plus, joining them will be American Hunter Magazine's Scott Homestead, and he'll discuss lion hunting. The legendary outdoorsman, Larry Wisehoon, will cover a positive conservation philosophy for Africa. And Mrs. Bunny will share with us about kudu rabies, elephant hunting, and much more. And it's presented by Outdoor Channel at OutdoorChannel.com. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Jim and Trav. I, I, I didn't know that the Beach Boys sang that song. I did not either. They do. I didn't either. They really? Are you serious? Beach Unless Boys Frank did. is wrong. Frank's wrong about everything. No, I didn't know I, that. I thought it was like Little Anthony and the Imperials. Or do you know why they call themselves the Beach Boys? They were on a beach? I don't know. Oh, no, I was asking, do you know why? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. know. <laughs> Didn't they also sing, like, Bermuda, Bahama, Come on, Pretty Mama? Is that the same? Yeah, yeah I yeah. thought so. They're stupid. They're lame. <laughs> I wish they would have drove off a cliff now. Uh, anyways, be joined by Mrs. Bunny. Hey. Talk about all things Africa on today's show. Coming up later, the bearded giant, the wonderful man, Larry Wisehoon, he's going to be joining us. Also, Scott Olmstead, and he's the editor-in-chief there at uh, NRA American Hunter Magazine. Um, got a new book out? Got a new book out. A shot well placed. Oh, Bunny, what's the song right here? Toto. Oh, you Africa. are good. Now, I'm not like an 80s nerd. Well, yeah, you of, are. Like, I was born in the 80s, but that song is also performed many times on Chuck. Jeffster. By, by the legendary <laughs> band Jeffster. And anybody who knows that show will understand the reference. I love that show. I, I got too. my first bout of gout in the 80s. <laughs> so my gout is older than you. I think so, probably. <laughs> you got some gnarly looking feet, by the way. Uh, I'm telling you, though. Right, so They've all, been a lot of places. All things Africa, uh-huh. right? Um, <laughs> your feet. Uh, elephant hunting. There's a lot of controversy that is surrounding elephant hunting. Uh, a lot of places, they're inundated with elephants. Really, yeah, Zimbabwe is one country that's just covered up with, uh, with elephants, and it's legal to hunt there. Yeah, and there's a lot of poaching uh, when it comes to elephants and trafficking and stuff like that. We'll talk about that. But uh, now, what is this deal with the permits? I don't exactly understand what they're talking about, Mrs. Bunny. We're talking about elephant permits. Um, depending, depending on where the you own use. Depending on where you go, you can trophy hunt for a bull, and you can pay a pretty penny for a bull. I mean, it's going to cost forty, fifty thousand bucks. Okay, Jim knows. But I mean, what do you get to keep? Well, you can keep it all if you want. No, not but, you can't hear. You can't bring the tusks back to America. Well, actually, depending on the country, you can, but oh. you have to get a special permit to bring it in because there's such a, a ban, an uh, embargo on bringing in ivory. But if it's shot in a country that uh, that allows hunting, uh, then I guess it's okay. 
Well, so what country is that? Well, one is Zimbabwe for sure. Right. Yes. So I've for, been there. I own it. <laughs> for I ate a donut this morning. For those who don't want to pay the extreme cost of a trophy fee for like a trophy bowl, but still want to have the experience, there's what they call own slash use permits, and these are mostly in Namibia's. Uh, All I system. want is the tail. So. Well, so they recognize elephant habitat is shrinking due to population shifts and things. And so their quota system includes a fair number of the trophy permits, but as well as these own slash use permits. And this basically means that the elephant killed is owned by the concession where it lives. So once you shoot it, everything except the experience goes to the villagers. You get to keep the tail. That's it. Well, what would they do? I look at it this way. Okay, by the time you bring that back, I would rather have a uh, cast made of the tusks. And bring it back. It's going to be much cheaper. I think overall, that is a much better way to go. Yeah, we're going to talk about it later. But uh, yeah, there's certain things that you can do. Now, you're going to harvest the animal. It's going to cost you for the hunt itself. You're never going to bring back the meat. Oh, man, I'm bringing back 30,000 pounds of what? Elephant. (laughs) You know? Did you bring a big cooler? (laughs) I need a lot of freezers. (laughs) Do you remember, um, uh, who's who's that guy? uh, Don't remember it. Sorry. No, no, no. No, it was his son's. um, Oh, that? Donald Trump's. Yeah. Son's. Uh, shot an elephant. Yeah. And uh, they cut off the tail. That was the, the big thing. And there was such a controversy over yeah. the What Do you know why? Because when Donald fired somebody, he smacked him in the face with the tail. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. He called him elephant dung. Smacked him. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> it was terrible. It was disrespectful is what it was yeah, to the elephant. But, you know, it's amazing, though. And I mean, Africa, there's so many. It's so corrupt. I'm sorry, but it really is. A lot Everything of, that a is lot happening of over there. Are. Yeah, a lot uh, of places in Africa are. Not every place, but yeah, a lot of them are. With like the illegal um, wildlife trafficking. I mean, look what they're doing with all the tusks. You know, I really think that the government could handle this in a better way. You know, because when they say uh, when you take away the dollar figure for something, it's really going to curtail the poaching. So that's why they were crushing up all the tusks. Well, they think that if they decimate the value of the game animal, that then there's no um, then there's there's not the incentive to poach. And um, sounds smarter the, when she says they, it. And yeah. get the ivories, but they forget that there are certain countries in the world that uh, covet this ivory, right? And, oh. and like the ivory, if you will, on a rhino in Vietnam, uh, it does wild stuff to you. You know, Vietnam is one of the places. Is that right? Yeah, Vietnam or crazy. China. Vietnam or China is the number one place, like the number one high demand, and the U.S. is the second. They use it as like fluoride to clean and, and, their teeth. And, and how about this? The uh, the the Chinese like the uh, uh, gallbladder of the uh, of the bear here in North America, yeah. and and it's illegal to sell those things. So why don't we start shooting poachers? <laughs> they I mean, do that, <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean they really do. They should. I mean, shoot them all. Well, you know, when I was in Africa last year, did you shoot a poacher? <laughs> not that I remember. Why not? Well, because I wasn't offered it. <laughs> you didn't have a tag. That's it. No, the thing is. Um, I was I was offered to go out on a bust, if uh, you will. Don't and think so. I uh, I opted out of that one because uh, you know they the poachers they have guns and shoot they, back they shoot back yeah yeah and so I thought well I'll just sit in camp and you guys can tell me the story mm-hmm. and so uh, they went out and uh, of course they didn't find any poachers that night and you know what I got. Good night's sleep. Yeah. You're in South Africa. Well, you know, uh, foundations like like the Safari, Club, Safari Club International Foundation, uh, they donate a large sum of money to different countries in Africa to do like aerial surveillance and to strengthen their yeah, borders. Since 2008, they started this uh, aerial surveillance with like helicopters, right? Something, yeah. And they've donated a lot of money to help secure borders and, and bring um, poachers 
down, you know, uh, because not only are they, you know, is wildlife trafficking um, bad for uh, the animals in general, but it's also it's it's bad on the economy. I mean, it's taking the country's natural resources and the communities that benefit from them and they uh, they suffer. So, yeah. Now, of course, we, we skip from elephant hunting into illegal wildlife trafficking, according to my notes. Right. Yes. OK. Yo, you didn't know we're talking about that. <laughs> no, no. Oh, I just man. thought this all kind of followed been, through here. He's been confused. It's yeah, amazing. I, I live in that state. You know, I've never been to Africa. I vicariously through Jim and yeah. his amazing feet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like when they do That's harvest. That's how they got the program tracks across Africa. When they <laughs> do harvest like the uh, the elephants and then the skinners come in and they take everything you can eat. If an elephant had an oink. They would take it. Well, and you they, could eat it. they and have a trumpet. And they show up with their, the, the people with their bowls uh-huh. and they start handing out all the meat. I mean, nothing goes to waste. They feed these communities. It is such a wonderful thing. Um, I just I can't believe that you have all these um, the wildlife organizations, the, the anti-hunting groups. Um, that are wanting to take this away from the people. I think it's horrible. And, and of course, the, the funds that uh, we paid. To the uh, guide and outfitter, yep. you know, actually they held that concession. And, and you know what they did? They actually did more guzzlers. You know, we talked about oh, guzzlers yeah. a couple weeks guzzlers. ago. Yeah. But, you know, it's pretty dry over there this time of year. And so they have they have built these guzzlers. Now, you get one elephant in there, you pretty much empty it. But nevertheless, all of the smaller critters, you know, and the birds and so forth come in there and they drink uh, off these guzzlers. And so, you know, it's you're putting it back. You know, you're giving it, but you're getting to give again, which is really kind of cool. Yeah. I like that. All right, we got to get to a break. Coming up after the break, though, Mr. Larry Wisehoon, he's going to be joining us talking about uh, conservation policies there in Africa. We want to say a special thank you, though, to Mrs. Bunny. Mrs. Bunny, you're going to be coming back, right? Yes. Oh, cool. Also, uh, Cabela's uh, World's Foremost Outfitter at Cabela's.com. How about Outdoor Channel? OutdoorChannel.com forward slash revolution. Ruger. Ruger.com. High Mount Seasonings. H-I-M-T-N-Jerky.com. Also, hop online. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Adventures of Dad Me. Here's Mark. Listen to what he has to say. We will return with Larry Wysoon in just a minute. Outdoor Channel on Africa, the African Lion, an estimated population of African lions that exist in the world today, stands at 32,000 to 37,000, and those lions are found in 27 different countries. At least 24,000 lions live in strongholds, defined as at least 500 lions, legally protected habitat, or an area where hunting is managed, and a population whose numbers are either stable or increasing. And there is currently 10 of these strongholds across Africa. So for more info on the dark continent, head to OutdoorChannel.com forward slash revolution. Friday on an all new Bottom Feeders. Keep sacking up 300,000 pounds of fish every week. We're going to have to go somewhere because they just ain't here anymore. Ever since I met Jeff, all he can talk about is going west. Schools of fish out there that are just mind boggling. My biggest concern is just leaving my wife and kids at home. That's all that really matters. So it's more than a month. Well, probably be forever. All new Bottom Feeders, presented by Ram Trucks. Friday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, only on Outdoor Channel. Kaanapali Beach Hotel, Maui's Hawaiian Hotel. 
Located in the heart of Maui's premier resort, Kanapali Beach Hotel is officially recognized as Hawaii's most Hawaiian hotel and the number one best value in Hawaii. With a range of accommodations and affordable dining options, this is the ideal setting to turn Hawaiian dreams into lifelong memories. Live Hawaiian entertainment every evening, free year-round children's programs, weekly arts and crafts fairs, welcome breakfast, and departure kukui lei ceremonies add to the value. Swim in the whale-shaped pool, indulge in the fabulous spa and hotel salon. Enjoy Hawaiian hospitality at its best at the Ka'anapali Beach Hotel. Call 800-262-8450 or go to kbhmaui.com. That's kbhmaui.com. Aloha. What is it? 110 degrees in here? The unrelenting heat has scorched the Earth's surface. It's like Africa hot. You're listening to The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Hey, if you're just shorting us, you missed old Miss Bunny. Man, she talked a heck of a lot about things that are happening in Africa. She's a nice lady. Yes, she yeah, is. A lot of things are happening with She's her. She's tall, quick with a smile, and pregnant. And pregnant. She's always pregnant. <laughs> Barefoot and pregnant, I guess they say. <laughs> Hi, we are talking about all things Africa on today's show. Just now being joined by my dad. I call him the bearded angel, Mr. Larry <laughs> Wisehoon. Mr. Larry, how's it going, buddy? Absolutely fantastic. Good to be back on the air with you guys. It always is a pleasure. Yeah, now, you know, we're talking about Africa, and uh, l- let's talk about Tanzania and Kenya. They have two totally different, basically drastic uh, approaches when it comes to wildlife and management. Uh, Kenya has been closed to big game hunting since, I think, 1977, whereas Tanzania is still one of the top countries for hunting uh, safaris in Africa. Now, ever since they closed down big uh, game hunting there in Kenya, um, wildlife populations have dropped, I think, by about 80 percent uh, versus Tanzania, where it is booming. And a lot of that money goes to, you know, digging wells, building schools, educating people and preserving game. And where the locals have actually found this to be a viable resource for them, haven't they? That's exactly right. I mean, and unfortunately, when the tourists, the photo people that like those photo safaris, that's where they go. They don't get to see the rest of Kenya. They don't see what's happened there to where there is no wildlife yep. outside of those few select areas, whereas you mentioned in Tanzania, as in many other countries in Africa, wildlife is thriving where there is hunting involved. And the hunting brings in a tremendous amount of resources in terms of dollars to those countries, which immediately is put back into some of the, the hunting operations. And the hunting operations, as you mentioned, involve a lot of time providing water where there has been no water or maintaining water holes that, that normally go dry. And it, it's so very important when there's an economic value, and I'm sure you all discussed this, on wildlife, then wildlife benefits, the habitat benefits, and yep. that wildlife is perpetuated other than those places. Uh, I spent a little time in Botswana last year right on the border, uh-huh. and it's going to be interesting what happens there. That, that population, you know, all hunting on public land. There's still some private land, I think, it's open, but on public land, Basic, which includes the conservancies owned by the, the, the native population, mm-hmm. there's no hunting anymore. And what's really? going to happen there very quickly is that those populations are going to be totally decimated by poaching uh, because hunters, where there is hunting, pay for anti-poaching crews. Yep. The other thing, and, and I keep coming back to that Botswana thing because it just recently closed. I spent some time, too, in the Chobe National Park. We were hunting the Capri Strip last year in Namibia. Mm-hmm. And got to spend some time to go into that park and, and 
it's the most overgrazed area that I've ever seen. Uh, really? Huge, huge elephant populations. And essentially, they have wiped out all the vegetation that's there, both on the ground. <laughs> and so where there used to be huge populations of, of buffalo, huge populations of impala, of uh, sable, and you can just go right on down the list. Now there are very, very few of those animals outside of elephants simply because there's there's no food. And what's going to happen, unfortunately, now with the closing down of, of hunting in those areas, uh, poaching is going to run rampant as well. So it's it, it it comes back and bites these people. These people do that are the anti-hunting type folks. They they think that you know they're doing something really good for the wildlife and yeah. not really realizing they're they're creating a death bell for for wildlife as, as a whole in those areas where they do hunt it, no longer allow hunting. Yeah. Well, you know, I was uh, in Africa last year, and I realized that uh, there's a lot of areas in Africa that are very, very primitive, a uh, limited amount of uh, telephone service and so forth. But you would have thought that in since 1977, Kenya would have uh, realized that their program is like way out of kilter. And uh, in, in some of these other countries that are closing down certain portions of hunting, don't they talk between each other to uh, to say, hey, how's it working for you before yeah. they decide to do this? I'm sitting here on the other side of the world, and I could see that, oh, that's not working, guys. You might want to rethink your strategy. You know, why Why aren't they seeing this? I, I think sometimes they do, but they choose not to see it. I mean, I think that is, is a big part of it, is that they choose not to see what's going on there. It wouldn't take somebody too very intelligent to see the difference between the two the, the two countries or those countries where they allow hunting and where they don't allow hunting the amount of wildlife and the quality of wildlife, the quality of the habitat. Because what what happens in some of these situations, kind of like I mentioned in that Chobe National Park, uh-huh. when the habitat's destroyed, it will take eons yep. to bring that habitat back. And it's not just the, the game species that suffer under those things. It's the game birds, mm-hmm. the non-game birds, all the little invertebrates, everything, wildlife in a whole you know, is, is, is taking a back seat and it'll take forever to come back. And unfortunately, these people are, can't see sometimes beyond what's, what's right, you know, the forest in front of the tree or as opposed to the trees kind of thing. And that, and they can't see what the long-term effect is and they don't want to know what the long-term effect is. They're, it's, it's an immediate response that, Hey, we stopped hunting. We saved, you know, we're saving these animals. Whereas in the fact, they're, like I said, they're sounding the death, uh, the death. You know, for most of the animals that are in that country, as we we're talking about in Kenya, that, that, while we were in the Chobe National Park, I visited with a lady uh-huh. who had been to Kenya, and we she was very, very anti-hunting, but yet she did not want to. She did not realize, nor did she want to know the fact that hey, outside of those one or two areas in Kenya where those animals are protected, so that they can show them to the tourists, you know, there is nothing anymore. The the, the wildlife is gone, and. and And yet, I don't think she wanted to hear that, nor did she want to know it. Exactly. You bet. Hey, we've been talking with Larry Wisehoon. He has a program called Trailing the Hunter's Moon, and he's a prolific writer. He's prolific in everything. Where can we find you online, buddy? His beard is prolific. It is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I don't really do a whole lot of stuff online anymore. Probably the best place to go is to Larry Wisehoon Outdoors. Uh, on Facebook. I, I try to visit that whenever I get a chance to there. Yeah, I love how you have some of these outdoor um, personalities. 
where you know they're on like Facebook and Twitter all the time. Like every five minutes, they're doing an update. I got on yours the other day. It had been like eight months, six months. You like, sorry, folks, I've been busy. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I mean, love that. You know, the, the beauty of being in, in where I was in Burkina, Africa, for there for about three weeks. Uh-huh. There, were no, there were no cell phones. There was no internet. You know, and. If anybody gets mad at me because I hadn't been on Facebook, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's busy. Well, anyways, we do have to get to a break. Mrs. Bunny, she's coming up next. Yeah, she's going to be talking about rhino hunting, and we're not talking about Republicans in name only. I don't know what that means. Also, kudu rabies. Uh, so, special thank you, though, to Outdoor Channel, Ruger, High Mountain Seasonings, and Cabela's. Uh, Mr. Cat, Mr. I was going to say Mr. Cat today. Uh, Mr. Larryman, thank you so much for coming on. Here is a quick word from Mark. Uh, greatly appreciate you, brother. Always a pleasure, and it's certainly mutual. Look forward to the next time. All right, see you, buddy. Outdoor Channel on Africa, the Dark Continent. Africa is called the Dark Continent because it was such a mysterious place. And for centuries, not much was known of the lands. It was once believed to be cursed and have no civilization, and only the bravest explorers dared to go there for its harsh and ominous terrain. Well, here's a word from our sponsors. And remember that all of our shows are archived, along with our Adventures of Dad and Me webisodes at OutdoorChannel.com forward slash revolution. Wednesday nights, Outdoor Channel is the place to be for the best shooting entertainment. We have the most respected talent and industry experts. A half-inch group at 100 yards. From stunning reenactments and dramatic events. To amazing trick shots. This one you can try at home, providing your home's on the gun range. We've got it all on Midway USA's Wednesday night at the range. Starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Outdoor Channel. Cabela's is the world's foremost outfitter for hunting, fishing, and outdoor gear. You can outfit all your needs through Cabela's catalogs, online, and their many stores. With the best selection, prices, and quality, all backed by a legendary guarantee. For the best in outdoor gear, go to www.cabelas.com. The Ruger SR-22 is the do-it-all 22 pistol for the shooter who appreciates style and demands reliability. Easy to field, strip, and reassemble. The Ruger SR-22 shoots a broad variety of 22 LR ammunition. It features an ambidextrous manual thumb safety decocking lever and magazine release. Two options for grip. And a fixed white dot front sight and adjustable rear sight with reversible blade. The Ruger SR-22, another American-made product from Ruger. High Mountain Seasoning's new Hunter's Blend Seasoning, packaged in camo and blaze orange, makes every hunting adventure delicious. Go to www.himtnjerky.com today. This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Hey, if you're just joining us, you just missed old Larry Wiseman. This guy was just in Africa not three weeks ago and had a great time over there. And boy, there's a lot of things going on with the show today talking about things of Africa. We're talking about Africa. Mrs. Bunny is here. I would like to take you on a journey. Oh, will you stop it? <laughs> you're singing in gym. Do, do your um imper- English impersonation. I would like to take you on a journey. Oh, my 
Mungava, bring me my rifle. Sounds like the guy we'll that... We'll have him for supper tonight. Sounds like the guy that does, like, like the Lives of the Rich and Famous documentary on, like, VH1. You know him? Oh, no, about? that guy sounds cool. Well. You just sound like you've had too many beers. <laughs> well, I have. Uh, speaking it's, of bad accents... I haven't had a beer since breakfast. Speaking... We are talking about Africa. Speaking of bad accents, uh, here is a Piers Morgan clip. Oh. What an idiot. There's a British accent. There's a lot of stupid... All right, take a listen to this. Frank playing. Isn't it very, very likely that what's going to happen here is that you are going to take out a large gun and you're going to shoot one of the only 5,000 or so remaining black rhinos in the world. And again, I would put it to you what the argument against what you're doing is, which is if you feel that strongly about it, then just give them the money to help with the general conservation in that area. No, he's going to take a small gun over there. <laughs> now, what, what they didn't say. All right, we're talking about Africa. Let's talk about this black rhino. What was the guy's name that uh, bought the tag? The controversy. Well, it's the Dallas Safari Club, um, Namibia. Was it Namibia? Yeah, but yeah. what was they the guy's name? They donated a tag, right? Yeah, they donated a tag, and um, the successful bidder, his name being Corey Knowlton. No, yeah. Paid okay. Nice guy. Yeah, paid. Actually, I met him. Paid $350,000 U.S., 100% of which goes towards the conservation but in Namibia. They, like, hand it over to the Namibian government, like, basically write him a check for it. Here's the problem. This one area, okay, and now they are not even close to being extinct. This one area, there's 5,000 black rhinos. Now, that's where okay? they were going to harvest this black rhino. Yes, the government has selected five rhinos that they want taken out of there because they're old bulls and they're— They um, got flat tires. Yeah, they got flat tires. No, they're killing the younger bulls. They're 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 um, really impeding the breeding— they're actually slowing down the process of bringing these back, so they need to take out a select few uh, bulls. This guy, all this money, like Mrs. Bunny said, is going back to conservation uh, to provide for these animals. I mean, this is a good thing, um, but they don't see it that way. The antis never do. You know, which is interesting to me is that you have people like this Corey Knowlton willing to pay $350,000. And mind for you, conservation, mind you that in this process at the Dallas Safari Club, there were other bidders that were prepared to pay a million dollars for, for this. this hunt. But people like, um, this woman who posted on his Facebook page, you're a barbarian. People like you need to be the innocent that are hunted. Um, or if I, uh, um, I got name? you in my sights. If I see you, I'll kill you. Yeah, I mean, I mean a ton of stuff. they withdrew their bids because they didn't want to have all this hate and these threats around them. And you can't blame them. But you have somebody like this who's willing to pay $350,000. But you don't have... Um, PETA or the Humane Society or anybody willing to ante up any money. All they're doing is just kind of getting loud, but they're not they're not giving any money to help conserve animals in, in Africa. They're just they're just yelling a whole lot, causing problems for everybody else. I don't That's know. That's you, Jimmy. No, I want to shoot a black rhino. <laughs> I don't. Well, I've seen uh, what's that Hatari too much. Sean Wang. Sean Wang. <laughs> it's just stupid what people are doing. All right. So let's talk about kudu babies and rabies. I like kudu babies. Uh, so <laughs> it's weird that, you know, when you think about rabies, um, normally you think about carnivores. Correct. Well, actually, I think about skunks here in North America. They, they're they a big carrier of. Uh, oh, my gosh. You have to be so difficult, don't you? <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, would you say rabies? I'm not even, we're talking about it's Africa. like when you say the Beach Boys, I think of Corvettes. Yeah, it's generally associated with car carnivores. But, Thank you. But it can appear in non-carnivore species. Well, yeah, because, because like the carnivores bite the non-carnivores, but right. usually dies with that host. But they have found a new strain of rabies that doesn't die. It's being passed on through blood, any type of body fluid, fluid. breeding, urine, um, things like that. And so they're finding in some places, I think in, uh, is it Namibia? Yeah. Oh, man, yes, like 70% of the population of uh, kudu 
mm-hmm. being wiped out. And this is a big draw for tourism and also local villages. I mean, basically, it's like a big elk. Yeah. And um, yeah. they feed. I mean, this is one of their 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 main food sources, and it's being killed off uh, by these rabies. Well, so in 1977, the first outbreak of the disease surfaced among kudu, and um, so this disease seems to periodically resurface um, among species in Namibia. And uh, the most current outbreak began clear back in 2002, and it's still going on in Namibia's kudu, and it's causing serious decline. In 2004, one of the conservancies in Africa reported like 35 to 50 percent loss. In 2008, wow. a 50 percent loss. Really? Um, yeah, and it, it goes on. And the biologists have speculated that the disease is being maintained within the Namibian kudu population, um, and it's being transferred from kudu to kudu. You know, so it's kind of it's something hard to contain. It's kind of like you know, uh. EHD, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. or, uh, or chronic wasting disease, you know, in deer, you know, once it starts, it's kind of hard to stop it. Of course, they don't want to eradicate the uh, the kudu because no. that's, a, that's a big uh, game animal over there that brings in a lot of funds. But nevertheless, now, are they all uh, all affected by biting? Like, you know, as we talked about skunks earlier, are they bitten by? Well, they don't know what originally. Whatever? Well, they think originally. Originally, they were somewhat a lion. One of the species bit was bitten, but then they then that that disease that the host doesn't die and it morphed and it transforms itself and it just passes on from each one and it's not necessarily a bite anymore. It's just a disease that they're passing from one to another. So, do you know what I think? Honestly, what's that? When did this happen? Seven. The first outbreak was in the late seventies. It it was in revolt. About hunting in Kenya. That's why they did this. When they banned hunting in Kenya, Kudu said, you know what? We're getting ourselves rabies. <laughs> that is the you most- can't argue with that logic. <laughs> that I'm was, telling you. I was going to say that is the most logical. <laughs> oh, well, my goodness. So in order to curtail this, they have people working. So on what it. are they going to do? Well, they're they're hoping to be able to study it enough that they can find a vaccine, because um, at the at the end of this, the ramifications of the disease could be disastrous because um, it could spread across more African countries, you know, and well, it, because right now it's within the borders of Namibia. But it's, if it starts to move throughout, you know, it could really start doing some serious ecological damage. All right. I think it's a waste of time. You know what? I call it, you probably don't know what you're doing as a scientist. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got this PhD. Well, I think uh, Bunny is now leaving. And uh, now we got to get to a break. Talking about Africa on today's show. Coming up after the break, though, we're going to be joined by Scott Olmstead, and he is the editor-in-chief there at NRA American Hunter Magazine. Great guy. Great guy. What's the name of his book? Is that your stomach? stomach? Holy oh, cow. God. I'm actually using his book right now I thought a as lion roared. a coaster. <laughs> Everybody stopped in the studio and stared. Make every shot count. Uh, Scott Olmstead's new book. Uh, he's coming up after the break. Let's get, we are talking about Africa. Here is a word from Mark. Big thank you. Outdoor Channel. OutdoorChannel.com forward slash revolution. Also, Ruger, Ruger.com. High Mouth Seasonings, H-I-M-T-N-Jerky.com. Also, Cabela's, world's foremost outfitter at Cabela's.com. We'll return with Scott Olmstead in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. We will be back. (laughs) 
Outdoor Channel on Africa. Becoming a professional hunter. Getting a license to become a PH is one thing. However, being big game qualified is something else entirely. To guide hunters for big game, one must apprentice for two seasons with a big game guide and be in on three kills of at least two different species from the big five, croc and hippo, then take a practical written exam. So check out Jim's South African Safari Picks at facebook.com forward slash adventures of dad and me and we'll return in a moment tuesdays all your favorite hunters can be found in one place right here mossy oaks tuesday night pursuits <laughs> what a nice buck look at that outdoor channel is your home for the best big game hunting from turkey hunting to every type of trophy big game baldies some backstrappers some does some cactus donkeys there's only one place for hard pounding excitement on tuesdays Mossy Oaks Tuesday Night Pursuits, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, only on Outdoor Channel. When I'm backpacking in the mountains, I like to travel light. That's why I carry Camp Chef's ready-made gourmet outdoor meals. These freeze-dried meals cook right in the pouch. Just add water. With menu choices like cheesy lasagna, teriyaki chicken with rice, and more, these meals taste great. And with a shelf life of seven years, they're also perfect as an emergency food supply at home. Look for Camp Chef's ready-made gourmet meals at a sporting goods store near you or at CampChef.com. Camp Chef, the way to cook outdoors. Need a gift for someone who loves to hunt and loves to read about it? Colorado's Biggest Bucks and Bulls, third edition, of course. Find it at www.coloradosbiggestbucksandbulls.com. Now let's get back to the strangest secret in the world. This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. So, I was wrong? Yes, you were. Uh, I know, Frank, Actually, Frank, Frank instructed me. He, he he misinformed me. You mean the music man? The Beach Boys, they just covered the song uh, in the jungle, the my, whatever the stupid song is. They just covered it at concerts. They actually never recorded it on a CD. It sounded like them. It sounds like it still does. I think it's a conspiracy. They're trying to cover it up because it's so bad. <laughs> Anyhow, you just heard from old Miss Bunny. She talked about a lot of great things. Yeah, uh, hunting, black rhinos, also kudu rabies, good things. We are talking all things Africa on today's show. Jim got scabies yeah. when he was in uh, Africa. I got to have more vitamin C. Uh, just now being joined by Scott Olmsted. He's the editor-in-chief at NRA American Hunter Magazine. Uh, Mr. Scott, how's it going, buddy? Oh, pretty good. Good. Now, you know, a petition by a coalition of anti-hunters and I get to talk environmental groups has led the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to do a study on uh, whether or not the African lion should be protected under the Endangered Species Act, kind of ensuing a battle that pits uh, preservationists against conservationists. But here's the problem with this, Scott. As you know, this isn't going to stop the hunting of the African lion. This isn't going to stop the poaching. All this is going to do is curtail. Uh, the U.S.'s involvement in pursuing this animal. That's all it's going to do. Right, and it'll, it'll deprive Africa, particularly uh, bush communities, exactly. of hunting dollars. Now, now, the thing is, you know, we, we've noticed since the uh, beginning of the year there's been a big blow-up about uh, uh, Michelle shooting that lion, but uh, actually that is really a, a, a tool that they use to manage the game, isn't it? That uh, Michelle also, when you think about it, shot uh, a lion in South Africa. That's different than the lions we're talking about right now, per se. Uh, let's say in Tanzania, Botswana, Namibia, Mozambique, wherever there might be free-ranging lions that are hunted, uh, not behind a fence, not behind anything. Uh, out on a conservancy, it could be uh, t- 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of acres. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, now you've been to Africa and and you've been been involved in in shooting a lot of plains game animals. Have you ever harvested any uh, dangerous game? Yes, I've shot a, a couple. I've shot three Cape buffalo. Really? I've hunted leopard once. Never saw one. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I killed an elephant last year in Namibia in the Caprivi Strip. Did you really? I was, I was on a hunt with a, a Kimber Caprivi rifle and a oh. federal ammunition. It was it was a fabulous hunt. I bet that was uh, crazy, huh? Now was that was that, that a- was a that's it's a heck of a thing. That's what I tell people. <laughs> it's a heck of a thing. That's well, you, sure. now, now do you remember the big controversy with uh, Tony Macris? When, uh, yes, when, when that he happened, that broke about the time I got back from my trip. Oh, really? And so you kind of flew in under the radar on that one, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I escaped the, uh, the uh, ire, I guess, that Tony incurred. Yeah, but the, you know, the thing is, which was really strange, that he said, well, you shot him in the face. That's where you shoot an elephant, right? That's, uh, I tried. Um, I tried for a side brain shot. Uh-huh. And I knew before I came out of recoil, I had missed it. It's a perfect shot. I picked the wrong point of aim. I just psyched myself out. Mm-hmm. It's a daunting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony made a good shot, a frontal brain shot, a perfect shot. Yeah. Now, and the other shot is heart lung. Um, but instantaneous, if you're on the money, a front or a side brain shot is instantaneous. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not cruel. That's um, what you owe the animal if you can make a shot like that. Yeah. Well, you know, not only are you the editor-in-chief of uh, uh, North American Hunter magazine, Excuse me, it's uh, American Hunter Magazine. American Hunter, yep. Yeah, uh, but uh, you're also an author, and you just recently wrote a book called Make Every Shot Count. And when you were talking about the front shot, side shot of an elephant, but the the fact of the matter is, when I read your book, honest to God, you took something that was extremely boring and made it so doggone interesting. I mean, it was a page turner. It was really a primer for people to get to know their weapon and a lot of different things. Where'd you come up with that idea? Oh, well, thanks very much. Uh, I have been getting a, a lot of good comments, a lot of good reviews about it, you know, which I'm tickled about. Yeah. Uh, it was many years ago, which I explained in the uh, introduction. Um, that's sort of where the seed was. I was on a hunt, my first elk hunt in the Colorado Rockies, standing around in the dark uh, with my guide and other clients and their guides. We're all about to step off in different directions to go uh, hunt for the day. And uh, one good old boy from Georgia looked over and said, what do you got? And we talked about the different guns we had. And he had a gun that he'd only shot a couple of times with a gigantic telescope on it because his boss convinced him, you're headed out west, you need a gun that'll do the job, and you need a big scope. <laughs> yeah. But he was also hunting at 8,000 feet, and oh. so he had to lug that thing around. Yeah. And he didn't have a pair of shooting sticks, and he hadn't he hadn't thought this out. And, and that's where the idea really stems from, is trying to make people understand, to think about situational awareness and think about the tool they're going to use, the tools. Mm-hmm. And and understand that their body is also one of their tools and their and their mindset and um, the gun handling skills they take out there to the field. That's part of that's in their toolbox. So I really just try to give them a toolbox full of different things that they can pick up, put down, use as they need, retain or not. If they already know it, they can move on to another chapter. Yeah. Now, if we want to find out more about your book, Make Every Shot Count, where can we find it online, Scott? You can look for it. It's published by Safari Press. So they're at safaripress.com. All right. Here is a quick word from Mark. We want to say a special thank you to Outdoor Channel, outdoorchannel.com forward slash revolution. Also, Ruger, Ruger.com, High Mount Seasonings, H-I-M-T and Jerky.com, and Cabela's, world's foremost outfitter at Cabela's.com. Uh, coming up at the break, Mr. Bunny, she's going to be joining us, and you're going to be telling us about uh, how much dough it's going to cost you if you want to get your trophies out of Africa. That's it. That's a big surprise to a lot of folks. It's going to cost you a lot of dinero. 
lot of act, a lot of actors. Um, all right, so uh, anyways, uh, here's a quick word from Mark. Listen to it. we got to get to a break. Mr. Scott, man, appreciate you. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. Outdoor Channel on Africa. Groceries. In Botswana, tourists are drawn to the wildlife in the park, mostly the elephants and the fishing. Soon, fishing may be the only draw, as Botswana recently shut down hunting. Deforestation caused by elephants is a huge issue, and mature adult elephants forage for about 400 pounds of food a day and will walk as far as 25 miles a day for the 50 gallons of water they need. So let's cut to a break, and while we're gone, visit us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash underscore OTN. If you crave bow hunting, Outdoor Channel is the place to be on Monday nights. Look at this deer. We've got some of your favorite personalities. He's lived in the den for over six months. Along with some of the best hunts anywhere. We're in Alberta hunting him with a bow. Gear up for the best bow hunting on television. These are the land of the giants. One awesome night, all at one place. Prime Bows by G5 Bow Hunting Monday. Starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Outdoor Channel. Colorado's Biggest Bucks and Bulls, a book for hunters. www.coloradosbiggestbucksandbulls.com You could be admitted to the strangest, most bizarre world imaginable. You're listening to The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Hey, if you're just joining us, you just missed old Scott Olmsted. Great book, Make Every Shot Count. Uh, coming up next is me. Yeah, you, Jimmy. Uh, last year, you went to Africa. Uh-huh. Too bad you returned. <laughs> um, no, we were going to sell you to the highest bidder. Well, I no. had a stamp on my forehead. There was no Please bidders. <laughs> uh, so, you went to South Africa. Yeah. and uh, Now, tell us about, I mean, unexpected things. Things you weren't counting on, spending for. What is it? Well, you know, it's one thing to find the outfitter that you're going to go with. And I went with uh, Kalubi Safaris, uh, Daniel Dutoy. Kalubi. Great people. Great people. And and there's a lot of great outfitters out there. So you really need to do your homework. We've got a friend, a, a mutual friend, that he's going to Africa this year. Now, the interesting part about it, when I went, I said, I want to know what this package is going to cost me. He gave me the price. That was it. I went there. Now, the other gentleman, he's going to go. He's going to pay $7,500 for a week for his daughter, $7,500 a week for him. That's their day price, okay, all added together. So that's $15,000. They're going to shoot 3K buffalo, $2,000 a piece. But that doesn't include the trophy fees, which is added on top of that. That's the hefty part. Yeah. Trophy fees are expensive. <laughs> they, they are. Now, if he shoots like a gigantic one, like I shot a 38-incher, scored a 119 Safari Club International, that's a nice one. Okay. Uh, if he shoots two or three really nice ones, he could have trophy fees upwards to ten, fifteen thousand dollars But Mrs. Bunny and I have seen places where like the, the average trophy fee, 18000 bucks. The bigger the animal, the bigger price tag you pay. I mean, you, know, you talk about Cape Buffalo. That's what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, that's 18000 bucks. Yeah. Well, now, here's the thing. And, and if you're out there and you're thinking about booking a, lot a trip. Of donuts. Yeah. You're thinking about booking a trip to Africa. Remember, if you're going to take your gun over, otherwise, or your bow. I'm taking a slingshot. Primarily a gun. You have to get all of the permits. You have to have the uh, um, customs office. They, you have to take your gun there. They have to inspect it and so forth. They take the serial numbers down. They give you a certificate you take with you. Now, that is not to get you into Africa. That's to get your gun back into the States. Okay. That costs you the time and energy and so forth to do it. 
All right. Now you're in Africa. You harvested four, five, six animals. All of the skinning and all of that business is all included in the price. But what's not included in the price, and nobody ever tells you this, and I'm finding this out day by day. So I, I harvest the animals. They skin them. They ship them off to a taxidermist. Now you think, well, a taxidermist is going to mount them and so forth. Nope. All they're going to do is they're going to pick the bugs off from it, dip them, okay, and then box them up and ship them to an exporter. Okay. Now, you got to pay for that. Got to got to pay for the taxidermist to to pick the bugs, okay? Now, the exporter gets it. He has to or she has to inspect it, okay? Has to go to the 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 uh, Fish and Wildlife Service in that particular country, have them inspect it, and then they ship it to the states, okay? Now, you would think that all Where of that they inspect it. Yeah. Well, now, this happens to be there's a place in, in South Africa that's shipping it to a place in Denver that's the closest airport to us that has an import facility to be able to Take a look at those hides and stuff, and no, there's no bugs on this thing. But in the process, the taxidermist costs you about six hundred, almost seven hundred dollars. The exporter it costs you right at a thousand dollars. And I only had five animals that I harvested. Now, can you imagine uh, our friend when he comes back with twenty animals? What's going to cost him? Now, we're not talking about the taxidermist fees once they get back. The uh, the exporter ships it to the importer here in the states. That's another $800. Now, all of this is after your hunt. You don't know that those things are out there. You know, I knew that you had to pay something. But when they said, well, you pay the taxidermist, I figured it's from there, you know, to the states. Uh -oh. And then on top of that, however, you want to have it mounted at your taxidermist once it gets back to the states. Yeah. See, what, now what I have to do is I once it's all inspected by the Fish and Wildlife Service here in the states, they have to make sure that all of the paperwork is right. Um, I pay them the $800. I pick up my animals. I take it to my favorite taxidermist, which is Mike Beckman. The mounting fee on a Cape Buffalo is $1,200. If you don't want month. anything special. Yeah. I mean, if you, I mean, if you're if you talking like. tongue sticking out, then it's going to be more You money. got crank windows here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you want a base price yeah. Yeah. is 1200 bucks. So if you have a cousin in the import-export business, <laughs> you better be checking into yeah, that. Anyhow, I uh, gotta find out what these bugs are they're picking off. Because <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hunt in a place that doesn't have these bugs. Well, you know, I was down in I was down in uh, in Arkansas. I stopped at a, some research here. A, a taxidermist down there, and he said that he got a bunch of stuff in from had bugs on it. Didn't it? it did. It had it had stuff in his shed. Had a d bushman in there too. <laughs> Pulled a horn off, and there was a bushman. <laughs> had to feed him. No, there was there was all kinds of critters because you know that the horn on a Cape Buffalo is just. A, it's hollow. It's sleeve. You yeah. know, it's just so like somehow a it got up antelope. Yeah. Yeah. Just like an antelope. And so somehow these little critters, whatever they were, <laughs> you better squish said, that there was, bug. It was stuff that I didn't even know what it was. You would think they would like almost like fumigate it, you know, I mean, because yeah. like coming into customs, isn't that like part of it? They don't want to introduce other species and bugs and things like that to the United States that aren't indigenous. And so aren't they supposed to take care of that kind of thing? And crap? that's why there's like a 60 day waiting period. You know too. what? Mm -hmm. I think that you should get your money back because I think that inspector did a crap job. <laughs> <laughs> they should fire him. Yeah. You know, they'll find it was a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he you didn't eat all the bugs. And he had a little had, hat and chaps and you had one job. You know? <laughs> Very interesting. Africa, I never want to go. I just, you know, it's not one of those. I know you're you're taken back with the, the mystique of Africa. We'll, we'll live vicariously through Jim. Yeah, and I won't even do that closely. You know, <laughs> intermittently, I might check in. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I'm just not taking. I think it's neat. I like some of the game. It's just not a place that I ever 
want to go to. You I mean, it's not. For I everybody. would go this afternoon. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I really, funny, really you? enjoyed myself. I'm I'm not a huge um, international traveler. You know, for me, crossing the state line is kind of a big deal. <laughs> she gets nervous <laughs> crossing the state line. She thinks it's a foreign. Country. Let me think about this one. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're coming up on an ad break. We're talking um, Ohio, Jimmy. To find out more about you, see some of your pictures. Where can we do that? At? Hey, you can do it on my Facebook page. It's uh, what? Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Jim on the Trail. Yeah, that'll get you right to yeah. it. A lot of lot of photographs. I, uh, you know, had a photographer with me on the trip, Jeff Engel. Shot quite a few of them. Nice stuff. We had a lot of nice shots of him too. <laughs> he, he loves taking selfies. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All these pictures of you. There's like thirty selfies of. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> you didn't post those, though. I don't know why. Uh, anyways. I figured one is enough. Uh, talk about Africa on today's show. Close is coming up next. Mrs. Bunny, thank you so much for sticking around. Hey, you betcha. We appreciate you. Yep. Alrighty, so uh, big thank you. Outdoor Channel. Outdoorchannel.com forward slash Revolution Ruger. Ruger.com. High Mountain Seasonings. H-I-M-T-N-Jerky.com. Also Cabela's. World's foremost outfitter at Cabela's.com. Here is a word from our Close is coming up next. We will return in just a second. Outdoor Channel on Africa. Poaching of rhinos. As of last November, poachers had killed an estimated 860 black and white rhinos in South Africa in 2013 alone. There are an estimated 8,000 white rhinos and 800 black rhinos in Kruger National Park. And the poachers are after one thing only, their horn, which is worth about $50,000 per kilogram in China and Vietnam. So for great hunting stories and tips, take a listen to our Tuesday, Thursday podcasts at OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com. And we'll return right after the break. Let's get this going. Let's rock this brother. This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Hey, we had another station last week. It's KKDT in Burdett, Kansas. And uh, boy, a 100,000-watt station out there pumping it out out of Hayes, Kansas area. Uh, so that makes 428 stations in the network. And we want to thank those folks as well as our sponsors. And, of course, Miss Bunny. Miss Bunny, so. where's your English impersonation? Um, Tally-ho. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you said Tally-ho. <laughs> All right. So get outdoors this weekend. Make sure you take can some I kids say, with can you. Can I say thank you to Mark? Uh, Mark Fineri, Frank yeah. the Sound Guy. Fun Joe. Fun Joe. Also, Scott Olmstead, Larry Wisoon. Just bump for my daddy there. All right, so uh, get outdoors this weekend. Take some kids with you. We love you. God bless you. Your local news weather is coming up next. Peace out. We'll talk next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.